Good to have you at Seneca Community Church Online. We are glad you're tuning in for the last installment of our series, Jesus On, the Sermon on the Mount for today. Seneca Community Church is all about making a difference in people's lives wherever they are through leading people into a growing relationship with God through Christ. We want to help you wherever you are to take your next step towards Him and in Him, knowing God more personally. For some, that may be pointing you to what faith could mean for your life. And for others, it may be taking one more step on the path of faith you've been on for quite some time. Today's message was designed in prayer and thought to hopefully do just that. Please take the opportunity to listen and maybe sing along to the three songs Mariah has chosen for today. You can access them by clicking on the little white circle with an eye in it on the upper right-hand side of the video. These song choices were picked to open and direct your heart to a God who loves you. Don't just rush by them or skip them as one might not be your favorite. Allow the words to wash over your soul, your heart. Often they speak to my heart and prepare me to hear what God wants to say to me through the message. Before we get started, know your leadership team, staff, and volunteer staff continue to discuss and pray what it will look like to resume meeting in person. We are trying to balance our desire to gather with everyone's health in mind. You can help us by completing the re-engagement survey that was mailed to you this week. For many of you, the easiest way to complete the survey is online. You can do this as a family or as individuals. Those who received the pulse received the link and were also sent a standalone email that has the link. Everyone has their own theories and thoughts regarding COVID and how and when to regather. Be encouraged, God has a plan forward for us. He has us in his hand, whether we gather in person or spirit or even using technology. Please continue to pray as we think through when and what our first in-person gathering will look like. If by chance you haven't received the link or have any questions, please email Angelica or call the church office Tuesday through Friday, 9 to 3 p.m. She will be available to help you. Thanks for helping us to get the pulse of where most of you are at as we continue to walk through COVID-19 together. We are thankful that our church is always open as we move in the midst of our community and our world, looking for ways to be a difference maker. Thank you in advance for your continued prayers, generosity, and desire to touch people's lives in creative ways. During our time today, we'll be celebrating communion at the end of the service. If you want to participate, have crackers and juice ready. Before we get started, would you please pray with me? Dear Gracious Heavenly Father, we just uh, thank you for your love for us. We think of all that's going on in our world, and we think of even what's going on in China this day, especially in Hong Kong, and we just uh, pray for the church there, and we just ask that you give them strength as they try to follow you in uncertain times. Lord, we also pray for our leaders, and uh, we especially uh, think of our president, and vice president and cabinet and also uh, congress and senate we just ask that they would be making good decisions regarding COVID. we also pray for our own governor father we think of the situation in minneapolis and we pray for george floyd's family and we just ask that there would be justice there we pray uh, for the people that are just trying to voice their concern we think of those that are rioting we just ask that you would just protect uh, the community there 
Or we think of other churches meeting this morning. We think of a Cornerstone Mennonite Church just around the corner from us. Uh, we think of First Baptist Church in Interlaken and Jesse. Uh, we also pray for Dave at Interlaken Reformed. We think of Ray over at Calvary Chapel. And we think of Dave at Waterloo Baptist. And also um, Dale at Geneva Assembly of God and the many others. And we just ask that you'd be making yourself known to them as, again, they function in this uh, online reality. Lord, we just ask you to bless our time together. We look forward to celebrating communion towards the end of our service. And thank you for just the way you work in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Have you ever woken up to the sound of thunder, sounding like the sky was actually going to fall? Or you ever woken up to the screaming sound of the wind, hearing it rip through the trees and wondering what you'd find the next morning? Storms can be scary. Storms can catch us off guard. They can be a big surprise. They can do damage to our house. Uh, they can do damage to our property, and they can even do damage to us. Fortunately, most of us have never had to go through a weather event like this. imagine, don't ever want to imagine, but we do experience personal storms with the intensity of a twister. They're just as real as an extreme weather event and often have the potential to destroy more than personal property. Storms that meet us in the hospital room on a sunny Saturday afternoon. Storms that come in the form of a telephone call. Storms that come in the announcement, I'm leaving you for good, it's over. Storms that come in the form of an announcement that says, shelter in place. Storms that come in the announcement of, I, you have been furloughed. Storms that come in the mail. Storms that come in the comment that, I am sorry, but... Storms that creep up on us subtly, and we are totally caught by surprise. And then there are the storms that we see coming on the horizon, and there's just absolutely nothing we can do about it. We see it coming, we start to feel the beginning of it, and there's nothing we can do. You see, in life, you and I face all kinds of storms, and they're not always weather events. Actually, probably more of them are not weather events. They're events that affect us personally. They're events that really affect our lives. As we wrap up our series, Jesus On, 
the Sermon on the Mount for today, we're going to see that as Jesus winds down his message, he ends with this little parable, this little story about storms and how to stand up under a storm and how to walk through that process and be prepared for storms. He doesn't give us the illusion that if we're serious about faith, trying to do our best we can do, that we're going to avoid storms. The reality is that he says that you and I will face storms. And even if you're a person that's not really convinced about Jesus, you'll face storms. Those of us who are convinced will face storms. There's no way to, in a sense, storm-proof our lives. Now, people will try to storm-proof their lives, and I, I think that's admirable, but there's no way to absolutely storm-proof our life. People have been trying to do this with their homes along the coastal line. Look at this $4.9 million beachfront home. It's supposed to be storm-proof. No edges for the wind to get up underneath it and pick up the roof. This is a guy, this is a person that is serious about storm-proofing his life. But again, the reality for all of us is we cannot avoid storms. They will come into our lives. We will all face storms. We'll all face storms where life is out of control. Now, that doesn't mean God's not aware. That doesn't mean God is not behind the scenes. There are some things that come into our life because we live in a broken world. We have brokenness in our world because of disobedience, because of sin, because of the fall. So we live in a broken world. That's why weather's the way it is. That's the way people are the way they are. All of us, again, no matter who we are, find ourselves in, in one of these places. First, we can find ourselves that we're currently in the middle of a storm. It's just stormy time. We are in the middle of it, and we can't wait to get on the other side of it. Then there are those of us where there is a storm coming and we don't even know about it. All of us who have faced that where one day things are fine and the next day we are in a storm holding on for our life. And then there's some of us who are just walking away from a storm that has just blown through. All of us have these kinds of things happening in our lives. Sarah, my oldest daughter, who's getting married in less than three weeks, she and her fiancé are in a storm. It's not that they're getting married. The storm is this, is that everything has changed when it comes to them having their wedding. There were plans to have a wedding with 200 people. Now it will be fortunate if it's under 40 people because of COVID. They're, in a sense, experiencing all those kinds of storms. And there's really, I wish there was something I could do with my super pastor dad, superhuman abilities to kind of like give her a little bit more peace through this. But she's in a grieving process as she goes through this storm. And every time she has to, in a sense, surrender to a new logical uh, piece of this wedding in COVID season, it's almost like a, a surrender. And she, she holds on to the last possible minute because she hates uh, surrendering, in a sense, her dream, her and Joe's dream for that special day where they would celebrate their life together and their life in God. So all of us face storms. 
And sometimes everything's happening at the same time. And it just we just cannot find uh, relief. Jesus says this about just life in general. He says, this is what God does. He gives his best, the sun to warm and the rain to nourish to everyone, regardless the good and the bad, the nice and the nasty. What Jesus is saying is that all of us, no matter how good we are or how bad we are, experience good times, stormless times. But the flip side that is true, as we studied Ecclesiastes recently, is that also the flip side is, is that bad things happen to good people. Uh, good and bad are not spared the storms of life. Then Jesus kind of funnels it down to those that are following him. Again, he doesn't want to give any false illusions that a person of faith, a person that is following Christ the best way they can, is is in alignment and and doing well with their life, honoring Christ, is is going to experience a stormless life. This is what he writes. He says this. He says, in this world, you will have troubles or trouble. It's just, again, a part of our world. So Jesus, as he's wrapping up his Sermon on the Mount, wants to leave us with the idea that we are going to face storms, but we can navigate in them and through them. And he gives us some ideas, some concepts of of how to do that. So what can we do? If storms are inevitable, how do we navigate through that? You see, we all build for the time life is out of control. Even if you're doing that unintentionally, we are all building a life for the way it's going to be out of control. It's just just going to happen, and most of us understand that there's the idea of foundation, and then what we build on top of that. But all of us are building a life, and we're building a life that is going to be uh, come face-to-face with a storm of life. And it comes back to that foundation. When I was growing up, uh, we used to go to a, a pizza place. And I always thought when you saw that leaning tower, it was a pizza place. But as I grew up and learned that this was just a uh, reflection of some place in Italy where there actually was a leaning tower of Pisa. Let me bring you up to date on the history of that. 9th of August, 1173, construction began on the Campanile of the Cathedral of Pisa, now better known as the Leaning Tower of Pisa. The most notable feature of the tower nowadays is its tilt. The ground beneath the tower is both weak and unstable. In an attempt to correct the lean, the upper floors of the tower were built with one side slightly taller than the other. Pisa literally means marshy land. When they started building that, they knew exactly what they were getting themselves into. But they ignored it. They ignored the potential for that tower, that freestanding bell tower, to lean. And even after they got to the second level, they started to see that it was leaning. And you can see is the little instruction there, the little lesson told us that as they got to the end of the tower, the side that was leaning and slanted, they actually made that side a little higher to kind of offset the lean. 
And that actually made things worse. You and I can do the same thing. You and I have a foundation that really isn't solid, and we start building our life on it. And there will be storms. We start building our life on it. And as we start to realize that our life is leaning one way or the other because we haven't paid attention to the foundation, when we get to the top parts of it, we try to, in a sense, augment the leaning by building a little cockeyed. And we sometimes take external things to do that. Because our foundation is something else besides Christ, besides God in our life, when we get to that leaning part and we try to correct it, sometimes we look at our self-worth and we say, wow, I need to just earn a little bit more money, and that will give me a correction to my lean. Or maybe I need the right relationship in my life, and then that will correct the lean. If I just marry the right person, my lean will be corrected. Or maybe some of us say, if I didn't marry that person, the lean would be corrected. Some of us may say, if I just have this position, if I just have this ability, if I just lose a little bit more weight so I look just a little more presentable, my lean will change. But the reality is just like the leaning tower of Pisa, as we try to correct that at the top floors, it creates more leaning. It creates a bigger problem. And then when the storms come into life, our life is more in a position to, to fall, to, to tip over. This is what he says. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. Verse 26. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose up, and the winds blew, against, blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. So Jesus tells us, as you and I face these storms in life, we need to look at the structure we've been building. First thing we see is a comparison between these two builders. And it's interesting that both heard Christ. Both had listened to his teaching. Both had an understanding of his teaching. The question is, where did it land in their life? Was it just something in their head? Or was it something that had worked its way down into the heart? So both had heard Christ, both these lives, both these lives that were, in a sense, a home heading for a storm. Uh, both built houses. They built their homes. It's a natural thing, in a sense, to build our lives. And as life, we go through life, we start to, to build our life. We start to have experiences, and we build and build and build and build. And the question is, what are we building on? And at first glance, as you see these two builders, they're building houses, very, very similar houses. Uh, they look similar. The, the, the structures look about the same. They're not night and day kinds of houses. They're in the same area because the same storm affects both houses. 
They're, they're going through the natural ebbs and flows of living life. And you and I go through the natural flows of building life. And, and we have people around us, and we're all building our lives. We're building our houses, and they look pretty similar. And Jesus says there's a storm coming. It's on the horizon. It will happen sometime. And will your home, my home, my life be strong enough to weather that storm? This was the thought of two individuals as they built their house along the ocean. As they said, when I'm building this house along the ocean, there's got to be some time where a storm is going to come through, where there's going to be a hurricane. And they had to come to the conclusion, what would they build their house out of? Let's hear from them. Why'd your house survive? Go ahead. We put a lot of work in it. <laughs> we, we paid attention to every detail from the ground up. Um, uh, at every point from, from, uh, from pilings to the roof uh, and everything in between, when it came time to, to make a decision about what level of material or what to use, we didn't pay attention to code. We went above and beyond code, and we, and we tried to, and we asked the question, what would survive the big one? This is a picture of how people respond differently to the good news. The good news of Jesus Christ. Is it only in their minds? It is in their heart. Everyone who is building property along that strip of the beach understood storms understood how they were building their lives, yet these two guys actually were listening. And they were listening so well that when it came to, be, to build their house, starting with the foundation, starting with the pylon, starting with everything, they, they didn't just build what they could get away with. In a sense, they went the extra mile. They built strength and structure into the life of their home, if you will. And the lesson is clear to you and I is that we can have lives that look very similar. We can hopefully in the future gather on a Sunday life, Sunday morning, and we look around and there's people like us. They look like they have lives like us. We have lives like them. But the question is, is what have we built our life out of? And so when that storm comes, are we like these two guys? They're like the only house standing on the beach. Somehow they figured out there was a storm coming and they built and prepared. They built their life. And it wasn't just throwing a switch. It was every step of the way when they came to the materials and the way they built their house, they built it to stand. We see the contrast of these two builders as Jesus unfolds this story. And we know where it's going, those of us who are familiar with it. The contrast of these builders is one builds their house on the rock. Different foundation. Jesus speaks of this. I love the way Eugene Peterson uh, takes these ideas and just adds so much rich color to them as he translates them from the original languages. This is what he says. These words I speak to you are not incidental additions to your life. Homeowner, homeowner improvements to raise your standard of living. You see, there's two approaches to this Christian life, to this following Christ. Sometimes you and I look at 
Jesus is teaching and just say, wow, if I function this way, life will go a little smoother. I'll do a little bit of this, a little bit of that. And, and it does raise my uh, standard of living in a sense. It raises my relationships. But, but you're missing something. You're building your life on something else. You're, you're working for your life with God. You're working for your life with others rather than working out your life with God. These aren't just like little minor additions. These, these words of Jesus are not like a side dish to a main meal. They're not just like a little appetizer. They're to be the main thing. Goes on and says, they are foundational words. Words to build a life on. That idea of build a life on. It's an ongoing process. It's daily choices of the material you and I are building our life out of, beginning with that foundation, that solid rock. And life starts to unfold that way. We read on, if you work these words into your life, you are like a smart carpenter who built his house on the solid rock. The smart carpenter who takes time and just doesn't build something that he can get away with. He, he builds it on a solid rock, the rock of Jesus Christ. Verse 25, rain poured down, the river flooded, a tornado hit, but nothing moved that house. It was fixed to the rock. I want to build that kind of life. I want to build a life that is fixed to the rock. I want to build a life that has good materials in it. It just doesn't look good side by side. Oh, that looks like all the other houses. And then when the storm comes, they collapse. So the other man, the other, the other builder, builds his on the sand. Some of us are very familiar with this story. We, we learned it going up, growing up, going to church. He builds his house on the sand. Looks the same, same storm, same neighborhood, let's say. But if you use my words in Bible studies and don't work them into your life, interesting idea there. These are people that know the Bible. These are people that grew up on it, but they're not working these words into their life. They're not integrating them. It's not their operating system. When you and I know God's word, when you know how to behave, when we know all these things, but they're not working them into your life, in a sense of massaging them into your heart, you are like a stupid carpenter who built his house on the sandy beach. And when the storm rolled in and the waves came up, it collapsed like a house of cards. Remember that scene of the beach? One structure basically standing. Everything else gone. The difference, how those places were built compared to the place that was standing. It shouldn't be a surprise that you and I are going to face storms. Some of us, again, have realized this as we've gone into this whole COVID-19 thing. We built our lives on all kinds of other things. The security of a job, security of our finances, security of our house, security of our health. All these securities 
the way our country works, and all of a sudden, the rug, because the storm is on the rising, gets pulled out from under us, and we don't really have a place to stand. And then we meet other people, not in a proud way, but we meet other people that seem to just be rolling through it, and they're in the same storm we're in, but something seems to be different. It's what they've built their life on. Paul speaks to this when he speaks to, writes to Timothy, he says, they go on pretending to be devoted to God, but they refuse to let that devotion change the way they live. Then he has this hard statement where he says, stay away from those people. It's not that you don't have anything to do with them. It means that you don't let that kind of thinking, that kind of uh, lack of change become your operating system. People that pretend because the change is not happening. I ask myself every once in a while, am I any different than I was six months ago? Am I the same person? Is the way I look at life the same? Is the way I hold on to my agenda the same? Am I at the same level of selfishness that I was six months ago, or has that changed? Because as a Christ follower, we're constantly growing and changing. If we are not growing and changing, then we're pretending. We're pretending that we're devoted to God, but we really aren't because God is a God of changing lives. And if we all think that, if we all believe that we have not arrived, that means there's plenty more room to change. So Jesus, as he wraps this all up, says there will be storms in your life. And the way you approach life, the way you build life, will affect how you go through the storm. You can't avoid the storms. They are on the horizon. We don't want to waste a good storm. We want to let a good storm, in a sense, shake out how we've been building our lives. And if we find the storms of life bring us to our knees with no strength to pick, get up, then just maybe we've been building our lives on the wrong foundation. So a storm can be good because a storm can show us what we're holding on to tightly. Over the last few months, I've had the, in a sense, I guess I could say it this week, the bittersweet experience of connecting with Winnie and Tom as Winnie fought cancer for the sixth time. And as she continued to fight and as she continued to work hard to, to, to do what she needed to do, and Tom by her side, watching his tenderness, caring for Winnie. I was blown away as Winnie's voice got weaker and weaker because of the storm she was in. Her faith demonstrated itself. Tom's faith demonstrated itself in more and more strength. You see, because there's a couple that have been building year upon year upon year a strong foundation, a, a house that can stand. So as I look at my life, I'm very mindful of that. Would I have had the same strength, 
the same attitude, the same assurance and peace as Winnie has, as Tom had. I want to think I would. I want to hope that I would. So because of that, I want to make sure that as storms come into my life, I let them reveal the foundation of my life. I don't want to waste a good storm. Jesus wraps up the Sermon on the Mount with there will be storms. The storms are good because they reveal the foundation of our lives. So don't waste the storm. The people listening to him and experiencing this were so overwhelmed with all that he said as we see this response. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority, not as their teachers of the law. That word authority, that it was real in his life. It was the way he navigated life. He wasn't putting on airs. He wasn't just quoting somebody else. He was living it. They were blown away by it. Gracious Heavenly Father, we just thank you for the Sermon on the Mount. We're thankful for the fact that it speaks to us these 2,000 years later. And I ask that you would help each one of us, especially as we move into celebrating communion, to pull back and ask ourselves, how is the building of our life going? And maybe it will get our attention that we want to have a structure to our life that can withstand the storms. We want to really build our life fully. We don't want to have half the foundation on the rock and half on the sand. We want to build our lives on your rock. We ask that you would help us with that. We ask that we would be sensitive to you about that. So, Lord, wherever someone's at this morning, help them to digest that. And if they have not said yes to you, if they've just been building their life completely on the sand, may they realize that they need you in their life. May they say yes to you. May they decide to follow you and thank you for the forgiveness of sin. Thank you for your resurrection and the promise of the future. And for those of us who have already said yes to you, may we never, ever waste a storm. May we leverage it for you. In Jesus' wonderful name, amen. At this point in our service, we have the opportunity to offer our support through our financial gifts, percentage giving, and sacrificial gifts to the mission of Seneca Community Church. Seneca Community Church exists to make a difference in people's lives wherever they are. And we are incredibly grateful for those who give regularly. Many of you are very diligent with your giving. You uh, give online, uh, you, you mail uh, your check-in each week, and we really appreciate that. And we ask that you'd continue to do that. And if, if you haven't taken that step, if you haven't uh, thought about maybe going online and uh, signing up to do it that way. I would encourage you to do that. I know for Cindy and I, it's made a huge difference over the last three or four years in our giving. We never forget. It always happens. Uh, every year we uh, sit down and decide uh, what the future year is going to look like and what our percentage giving ought to be. And uh, we, we start at the point it ought to be at least 10% of our of our income uh, before taxes. So we sit down and figure that out and then see if we can give more than that. 
because we want to be generous to God because he's been so generous to us. So I would encourage you to think about that and see if you can do that. And again, we just appreciate your generosity uh, by doing that. Um, also, you're going to notice that uh, on our uh, the Pulse, our church e-news, uh, there's been this uh, little uh, box there talking about uh, the baby bottle uh, support fundraiser for the Family Hope Center. And we just love all that they do. You can see a little bit more about that on the screen. You can click that uh, link. They help uh, uh, young women who are, have unexpected pregnancies. They help young dads navigate through that. They even help uh, teenagers with uh, just identifying who they are as Christ followers and how and how not to express their sexuality. So I really appreciate all they do. So this till Father's Day, we're involved in this. Usually we do it uh, here at the church, uh, but we're doing it virtually. So I appreciate your help with that. You'll also notice that uh, this is a communion Sunday, and it sounds like I'm talking a lot about money, and I am, but uh, it's important. Uh, this is a communion Sunday, and we have this thing called the love offering. You can, again, uh, distinguish that in your online giving or put a little note in your in your memo of a check. But uh, that is one way that we can just be the church in our community and in our world. Uh, sometimes it means that uh, we help someone with a financial difficulty with rent or food or, or you know, whatever, not this time of year, but fuel, uh, whatever their need is. And we can have a fund and we're ready to help with people. And just to bring you up to speed a little bit on that, over the last few months, uh, we've sent uh, three different checks to three different food pantries in the area so that they can have just a little more resources to take care of those that are in need. And just this week, uh, you, some of you have been following uh, Austin, and uh, he had a diving accident, 16-year-old boy, and they're trying to raise uh, $200,000 for his uh, treatment, and uh, we, we sent a check for $500 to them. So that is what your benevolent love offering gifts enables us just to do as a church. It enables us to make a difference in people's lives uh, just in, in all kinds of places. So again, we just thank you for having a part in that. This time we're going to transition into communion. Communion, the Lord's Supper, is a remembrance, a celebration for the life of those who follow Christ. And we celebrate an open table. Obviously, you're celebrating this from home. Uh, and uh, this is really an important uh, remembrance for us. It's a time where we uh, look back to what Christ has done for us by giving his life. Uh, we also spend a few moments looking within to see where our life is at with him, to see if we have said yes to him, to see what kind of foundation we're building our life on. Uh, we also look around. We want to make our faith uh, are real in somebody else's life. That's one reason for that love offering, that benevolent offering. That's just scratching the surface of that. So we look around and we also look to the future for that day when Christ will return and set things right. And what is so amazing as we think about communion and we think about what Christ did for us, so I'm mindful of a psalm, and it reads this way, God is sheer mercy and grace, not easily angered, he, he's rich in love. He doesn't endlessly nag and scold, nor hold grudges forever. He doesn't treat us as our sin deserves, nor pay us back in full for our wrongs. As high as the heavens is over the earth, so strong is his love to those who fear him. And as far as his sunrise is from the sunset, he has separated us from our sins. A parent, as a parent 
feels for their children, God feels for those who fear him. He knows us inside and out. So when we celebrate communion, it's a time to, in a sense, recalibrate. And the Lord asks us to, uh, to test our motives, to ask ourselves where we really are at. Paul gives some instructions regarding this when he writes, Anyone who eats the bread or drinks the cup of the master irreverently is like part of the crowd that jeered and spit at him at his death. Is this the kind of remembrance you want to be a part of? Examine your motives, test your heart, come to this meal in holy awe. If you give no thought, or worse, don't care about the broken body of the master when you eat and drink, you're running the serious risk of consequences. That is why so many of you even now are listless and sick, and others have gone to an early grave. If we get this straight right now, we won't have to be straightened out later on. So let's just take a few moments of silent prayer in your living room. Some of that may be a little difficult with all the activity going on. But let's just take a few moments to prepare our hearts as we remember what Christ has done for us. Dear gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gift of your Son. We're thankful that he brings wholeness into our life. He brings peace into our life. And this morning, as we remember what he did for us on the cross and that he rose again, may our remembrance be significant. May our remembrance help recalibrate our heart, realign our heart for the purposes of God in our everyday life. We thank you that you do forgive us. You don't hold our sin against us. Lord, we ask that we wouldn't take that for granted, that we wouldn't, in a sense, uh, show contempt for you by being careless with the grace and the love and the mercy you so willingly offer us. If in the moment like this we realize there's some areas that uh, we need to uh, realign, that we need to, in a sense, uh, work through. We pray that you would help us to make the decision not just to feel bad about it, but to actually start working on it and working through it. We just ask all these things in your wonderful name. Amen. And when Jesus had given thanks, he broke the bread and said, this is my body for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's remember our Lord and Savior together. Amen. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant, the new agreement in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. Let's remember our Lord and Savior together. Paul goes on to say, for whenever you eat the bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. So we look back, we look within, we look around, 
and we look to the future when Christ will come back and set things straight. And my prayer for myself and you as my friends is that we'll find those four threads of remembrance a part of our everyday life as we go out into the greater world, as we live for Christ. Hope to see you back next week. Don't forget our virtual coffee time begins at 11.15. We also sent you out some surveys this week. I should have got those in the mail. Uh, We're asking that most people are just going to go online. If you get the pulse, uh, you can uh, just do that online. Fill out those surveys as we begin to see and think about what re-engagement in person will look like and where everybody's coming from. So please help us out with that. Uh, If you have any questions about that, please contact the office. Please uh, give uh, Angelica a call, and she can help walk you through that. We really appreciate that. Uh, Again, let us know if you have any questions. Uh, So we hope you enjoy the rest of your day. Uh, Be well, be safe, and uh, God bless.